Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, praise team. That was awesome. Hallelujah. What are you all grateful for today? Waking us up this morning, right? Starting us on our way. I remember last Sunday, Pastor Antonia said, you can't purchase life. You can't pay for a life. Our lives have so much value and just to be grateful to be alive today. Just to be grateful to be breathing today. Amen. Just to be grateful to be here. Tell your neighbor I'm glad to be here. Tell your other neighbor I'm glad you're here too. God is good, my friends, all the time, all the time. Let us go right into prayer. Gracious and holy God, Lord of all, we continue to bow humbly before you in worship. Lord, we come to you humbly seeking your direction, your hope, and your presence. Lord, we need your peace. We desire to grow in your word, Lord Jesus, and we are praying, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive exactly what you have for each one of us today. We are here searching for answers. We are here searching for hope. Lord Jesus, we yearn to hear from you. Meet each and every one of us exactly where we are and take us from where we are to where you desire us to be, great God. We thank you and we honor you in the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen. Thank you for your faithfulness and continuing to worship in our new uh, sacred space. The young people refer to this now as the Jimuary, like sanctuary, it's the Jimuary, amen. And uh, we continue to work hard on getting the roof repaired. We got an update yesterday, praise God, that some estimates are coming through. So we are hoping the work is going to get started very soon. Uh, the Cleveland Restoration Society has been working hard on our behalf. For those of you that are joining us for the very first time, you may not know that our sanctuary is on the other side of the building. And we had some roof issues, and in order to be safe, we came in here until the work is done. So thank you again for your faithfulness, saints. Uh, we have a sermon outline today for you all to follow along with me if you would enjoy looking at that sermon outline. And if you don't, just leave it to the side. <laughs> what is the title of today's message? When God Makes Lemonade, I want to show you all this book that I have here today. It's called When God Makes Lemonade. And of course, we all got on yellow, amen. <laughs> One of the things that I really enjoy doing as a pastor is visiting and talking with our homebound members. And um, one particular day, not too long ago, I was visiting with a member, her name is Jenny Brown, and Jenny's probably watching us online right now. She joins us each Sunday online. How, how you doing, Jenny? Tell everybody, tell Jenny hello. <laughs> Jenny loves to read. She is an avid reader. And so we are often talking about what she's reading, what her current reading list is. And this was a book that she had been reading a, a little while ago. And when she told me the title, she said, When God Makes Lemonade, I said, that sounds like a sermon. <laughs> so I got the book and I read the book and I said, it is a sermon, amen. 
This uh, book is written by an author. His name is Don Jacobson. And, and it's a really inspirational and encouraging stories that's filled in this book of when, when people have gone through rough times. Have you ever been through a rough time? Amen. We've all been through some rough times. And after reading and reflecting on this book, the Word of God, and then listening to Pastor Antonia's message last week, amen, she had a message called, God Lifted Me. And I knew I could use that encouragement because we have been going through some trials and tribulations. Anybody had some trials and tribulations lately? Pastor Antonia said she walked through the door last week with a trial, then she gave me some this morning, amen. <laughs> Every moment of our life, we can have some trials and tribulations. Every week, say every week, every week it seems like we are experiencing tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy. Can I get an amen? This is a season of death and violence and suffering that does not seem to want to end. Doesn't seem to want to end. It's like we are living in a horror movie every day. Every day. And there's no escape. Y'all remember that movie, Get Out? I didn't even see all the movie, y'all, because I'm scared of scary movies. I don't watch them. I, I last about three minutes. As soon as I hear the music, I'm like, no, mm-mm. Terrence and I trying to watch a movie last night. The music started. You know that music? Yeah, I'm like, uh-uh, turn it off. <laughs> it's like we're in a horror movie. We can't get out. <laughs> cannot get out of this horror, horror movie. We are experiencing unrelenting evil in our world. Evil just does not take a break. It never takes a break. Every single day, say every day, there is a shooting every day. Those of us that remember just a few years back, we remember a time when there was rarely ever a shooting, right? Now there's one every single day. Somebody is, right, they're so angry, but they need the Lord. The Lord will help with the anger and get some peacefulness, amen? But every day, someone is dying a completely preventable death. And things seem to get keep getting worse and worse and worse. Tell your neighbor, it's getting worse. Even in Japan, which is supposed to be one of the safest countries in the world, had an assassination of the former uh, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Now, I'm not a political pastor, you all, and I try not to stand before you preaching politics in any of my messages, but people are losing their minds in our country. They are, I, if I hear another thing about gun control, oh my God, my head is going to explode. And this whole abortion issue is just insane. It's insane. Our country is so polarized, as the news says all the time. But what I really think is everyone is weary. Tell your neighbor, weary. Are you tired today? So many in our country are depressed. The suicide rate just keeps going higher and higher and higher. And it shocked me to learn that right now, the highest suicide rate, do y'all know which people? Yep. And then I just learned even more recently, it's the women. Y'all said the same thing, bro. The 
because we are so used to in our community, we suicide just didn't happen. That's the thing that other folks did. But now it's caught up to us. So when I picked up this book of hope and inspiration and courage, it reminded me of, you know, that God makes limit, lemonade out of lemons. Have you ever heard that saying, when the world gives you lemons, do what? Make lemonade. Well, this book gives us a different perspective. We are not the creators. Tell you never, you're not the creator. We are not the makers of the lemonade. <laughs> we are not. God is. When God makes lemonade. You see, sometimes we struggle to get through the hard times. Pastor Antonio preached that message last week. How do you make lemonade? <laughs> Y'all looked at me like, what kind of question is that? <laughs> you know how to make lemonade. <laughs> Seriously, how do you make lemonade? <laughs> what do you need? You need some lemons, right? So if you're making fresh lemons, I'm taking way back. See, these kids today, they used to have made lemonade already in a jar with a nice hat. <laughs> it's rare to make old school lemonade. Who made old school lemonade? I'm talking about old school lemonade. Okay, we got some. How do you make old school lemonade? Oh, look, Pearlie said, you got to knead the lemon first. You got to roll it around on the table. Make sure it's ready. You know, see? Some of y'all just jump right in talking about, you know, squeeze the juice. You got to roll the lemon on the table. <laughs> Get it ready. <laughs> then what do you do? You got to cut the lemon, right? You can't just, you know, hope that the juice come out the rind. You got to cut the lemon open. What do you got to use to cut the lemon? A knife. Has anyone ever had, you know, a knife cut? <laughs> Pastor Rick just recently almost cut his whole finger off. <laughs> Said, Pastor Rick, you go, you go on retirement and you're trying to chop your hands off, man. <laughs> Some of us have actually experienced the cutting of a knife. Does it feel good? It does not feel good. Some of y'all that have had box cutters and, you know, you're trying to work in the kitchen and you just slice it too fast and all of a sudden you're in trouble. <laughs> So you got the lemon, you rolled it around, you actually cut it, then what? Come on, what y'all need? Come on, old school people. What's that thing called? Y'all know the thing. <laughs> I don't know the name of it. The lemon squeezer. <laughs> so it, it, it's a real funny shaped object that's in the kitchen. You put it on there and you turn and turn. Now, what if that was you? You had to be on that thing. <laughs> Does that look like a pleasant experience? <laughs> Does this relate to anybody's life? You don't been rolled around. You don't been cut. Then you got to be, <laughs> whatever that is, crushed around on that lemon thing. Then what? You squeeze the juice, right? And finally, after all of that, what happens? Slice the lemon up as if two pieces wasn't enough. Then you pour that in the big picture, right? You would think, I mean, Kool-Aid picture is familiar to y'all, right? Uh-uh, young people don't know what a picture is. I said, go get the Kool-Aid picture. They was like, what? What's that? I was like, Lord, I'm too old. 
We don't use Kool-Aid pictures no more. <laughs> so you put all of this in the Kool-Aid picture. Pearly said you strain out the seeds. Some people like to leave the seeds. Strain out the seeds. Then you add the what? Sugar. Gotta have some sweetener. And you add the water. Then after all of that, <laughs> you got to stir it up, right? Then what do you do? Put some ice in it. <laughs> you cannot not have lemonade with some ice. And finally, after all of that, you get to take a drink. I, they said some sweetener. They put the sugar in before they put the water. Some of us put the water before the sugar, but... <laughs> Lemons are sour, citric fruit. They're not very appealing, right? It's not on many people's favorite list to eat. Anybody just loves sitting and eating lemons all day. <laughs> but you like eating them? A couple of y'all like eating some lemons? Y'all must not have any taste buds. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just teasing. Oh, when you, when you eat them, little salt... But I'm talking about a straight lemon. You eat it straight? You eat it straight? Couple y'all real brave, Marvin. Why did they tell y'all to do that, Marvin? <laughs> oh, you know what? I think the citric acid, um, what is that that builds up in your in your limbs when you're running? Maybe it counts. I'm just guessing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But athletes, our guests, are told to eat some lemons, right? But most people, when you say, what's your favorite fruit? Like right now, what's your favorite fruit? Orange, watermelon, grapes, strawberries, banana, apples, really, nectarines, peaches, pineapples. Rarely does anybody say a lemon. <laughs> In order for the lemon to be useful, you have to add something to it the water, and the sweetener. And so many metaphors in that statement. You see, sometimes we want the water or we want the sweet, but we don't want the lemon. <laughs> we do not want the sour parts of life. We want the sweetness, especially the sweetness. We even sometimes want the water, but please toss out those lemons. <laughs> we do not want those lemons, especially not alone. And our scripture reading today, we're going to meet a woman today that most of us may already know about. And it's the woman at the well. Tell your neighbor, we're meeting the woman at the well. And in our New Testament scripture, we see a woman, and, and she's coming toward the well. She had been living in a city called Coming too. So it's two people coming from two different directions. Just like we all arrived here today at a multitude of directions. She doesn't know Jesus is going to be there, but guess what? Jesus knew she was going to be there. So she's coming to this place, and Jesus makes sure he's already there waiting. Think about that, y'all. We just are in the rush in our day, and we are moving about so quickly, and we don't even know who we're going to encounter, but Jesus already positions himself to be ready when we get there. So, and he knows he has to get 
to where this woman is coming to meet her at the well. He needs to get to a place called Galilee, which is near Samaria, where she lives. Now, Samaria and Galilee are close. It's like a fork in the road. And at this fork in the road is a well of water that they all use to drink. Anyone ever had some well water? It's good, isn't it? <laughs> Those of y'all that's from down south, y'all know about the well water. Us northern folks, we just don't get the water out the faucet. <laughs> but Jesus is meeting her at the well, and she doesn't know. So in order for Jesus to get from one place to another, he has to go traveling toward. He has to be walking. Tell your neighbor he's walking. So he has a far way to go to reach her, and he knows she's going to be there. So he's getting there to wait for her. But as he's going to this city, see, Galilee is next to Samaria, and Samaria is not the place to be in this, in this ancient times. Anyone know of a city that is considered not the place to be here in, in our neighborhood? <laughs> I, I didn't want to call out no names, but I knew y'all could call out some names. It is sad, but we have to be honest that we know that some neighbors, neighborhoods get put down more than other neighborhoods, right? Some neighborhoods get put down and regulated as don't go in that neighborhood. I still remember my husband used to work for East Cleveland. I'm not trying to put down any neighborhoods now. Just want to be clear. Don't come back at me later like talking about Pastor Kelly. You ain't had to talk about East Cleveland like that. <laughs> But y'all know I'm not the only one. <laughs> we all in this together. But when Terrence used to work for East Cleveland, he actually, his first husband trying to put his foot down, which was real funny. <laughs> but his first husband moment of trying to put his foot down, he said, Kelly, don't you ever go through East Cleveland ever again. And he said that because as a police officer, he knew a different side of the city than the rest of us know. So he said, you go way around. Now, you know, if you're trying to get to Euclid, you got to go through what? East Cleveland. You can go around East Cleveland, but what's the fast way? Go through the down Euclid, right? So he's like screaming, don't you go through East Cleveland? I'm in my car. Don't you go through East Cleveland? Uh-huh, straight down Euclid. <laughs> Every neighborhood has a reputation, whether it deserves that reputation or not, right? And we all, it's funny how we act different, too. You know, you live in, you know, Shaker. You act a little bit more elite. You live in, you know, Hudson. You act real elite. So I don't know why. <laughs> but some kind of way, some neighborhoods, you know, Glenville, East Cleveland, Collinwood. You're like, oh, you live in Collinwood? Let me ask you, all of y'all like to get some water on a daily basis, right? Where does your water come from? Did you say Walmart? <laughs> no, you didn't say no Walmart. <laughs> How you get your water from Walmart? <laughs> Where your Walmart water come from? It comes from the house. How did it get to the house? Lake what? 
the greater Cleveland area, your water comes from where? Does somebody else's water come from the Mississippi River and I, I missed it? Did somebody's water come from Lake Michigan? We close. What about, you know, the Atlantic Ocean or something? Where does your water come from? Lake Erie. If you live in Cleveland, if you live in Shaker, if you live in East Cleveland, if you go on the west side and you live in Lakewood, North Olmstead, West Lake, or Bay Village, all those fancy places, where do we all get our water from? The same source. <laughs> Then we all go around, oh, I'm so much better than you. You still drink the same water I drink. <laughs> when you turn your shower on, that's Lake Erie water coming out. <laughs> when Jesus was encountering this woman at the well, they all got their water from the same well. The Samaritan people got their water from the well. The people of Galilee, the people of Judah, everybody got their water from the same spot. But for some reason, the Samaritans were treated differently. They were looked down upon. They were frowned upon. Most of the Jews wouldn't even talk to them, wouldn't even help them if they fell on the ground, wouldn't give them the time of day. So Jesus walks himself, and he's sitting at the well and the well is also called Jacob's well. And he's sitting there, and he knows this woman is going to be approaching. And so the woman, as she's approaching, she's mad at her business. How many of y'all know about mad at your business? You, you don't see nothing. I don't see nothing over there. I ain't looking at you. Don't make eye contact. Y'all know because if you make eye contact, then you have to talk. Don't make eye contact. She minding her business. And Jesus, because this woman knows no one's supposed to be talking to her, and she's not going to talk to them either. So Jesus is coming up. Uh, he's sitting there waiting for her. And she arrives, and he immediately asks her, you know, can you please get me some water? And I'm sure she's probably thinking, who are you talking? You talking to me? <laughs> Anyone ever had that moment? Some of you talking to me? I know you're not talking to me, so you try to ignore him a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, she, he's talking to her. So the woman is surprised, and she even says, are you talking to me? And, and she says, uh, you know, do you know who I am? You know, do you know what's happening in my life? Why would you talk to me? And she begins to confess what her life is like. She begins to say, you know, I, I've been married all these times, and I got all these things going on in my life. To be talked to. This woman had thought her life was so bad. She had so many lemons. She lived in a bad neighborhood. What do you think it was like to live in Samaria? Anybody? Anybody ever lived in a bad neighborhood? <laughs> Oh, the rest of y'all must have been, you know, over in Bay Village. <laughs> Anybody ever lived in a neighborhood when you know your family don't got and you know your neighbors don't got either? All of y'all struggling at the same time? You know, you hear sirens everywhere you go. Anybody ever had that neighborhood? You hear gunshots on the regular? 
anybody. You don't leave your door unlocked. Me and Sylvia were talking about a story she had heard, and, and the people were so devastated because they had to finally lock their doors. It had gotten so unsafe. And we laughed. I was like, really? <laughs> we got bars on the window. <laughs> we, we got the alarm on. We got a dog. <laughs> we locked the door, and still people will break in. <laughs> like, what? So that's the kind of neighborhood she grew up in. That's the type of neighborhood she was in. And she didn't even feel worthy for anyone to talk to her. And, and even the community leaders in this neighborhood treated the people horribly. Anybody ever had some bad community leaders? You know, you go to talk to the councilman, he don't ever answer the call. Go to try to connect with the mayor, he ain't never listening. You know, notice that whenever somebody important comes to Cleveland or to Ohio, they never come to the rough neighborhoods. When was the last time you saw a presidential candidate over in Huff? I still remember when I... <laughs> I still remember when, <laughs> when uh, I had volunteered for a campaign one year and I went to go serve and I was, I was so excited I was going to be knocking on... waiting the director person is supposed to come tell us what to do give us addresses and and he said oh we're not going there he said, what did i sign up for he said we're just gonna make a few calls those people in huff they don't even vote i could not believe it you all i was like like this y'all just see samantha would have been on it samantha like no we're going to every door huff east cleveland bay village because that's how she was. She went to every single door. She talked to every person. But you see, in Samaria, they didn't care about the people. They didn't care if they had a vote. They didn't care if they had a voice. They didn't even talk to them. But Jesus shows up. Tell your neighbor, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. And he says to her, will you give me a drink? That's what the scripture says. Will you give me a drink? And she's looking at him in shock like, I cannot believe you are even talking to me. He says, will you give me a drink? And then this is the important part of what he says. If you knew, tell your neighbor, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you for a drink, if only you knew. Think about that. How many times would we have made a different decision if only we knew? If only we knew. We'd be like, oh, man, I messed that up. If only I knew. You see, we always want the lemonade before we had to go through the lemon-making process. If only we knew we was going to get some lemonade, we wouldn't mind being the lemon. If only she knew who asked for a drink. That's amazing to think about. And, Jesus, and this woman, she looks at Jesus and, and, you know, she's thinking about her life and she knows she's poor. She knows she's living in poverty. She knows her community is struggling. And then this is what I love about broke folks. Because we always got a way of looking down on each other. Notice I'm including me. 
I say and we. She looks at Jesus. She don't know who he is. He's saying, get me some water. She tells him, you don't have anything. <laughs> the scripture says, you have nothing to draw with. And the I'm going to use my dip. I'm not using my dip for you. You have nothing to even get your water with. Who are you to talk to me? Anybody ever met some broke people that <laughs> look down on everybody else? <laughs> hey, where you live at? <laughs> you talking about me? <laughs> so Jesus tells her, he said, Scripture says in John chapter 4, verses 13 through 14, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water me. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is what he tells this woman. He's letting her know, if you drink my water... It's going to be a little bit different from any water you ever receive. Now, this woman could have had a testy attitude. She could have got spicy. Like, yeah, I don't want your water. <laughs> but something about the way Jesus was talking, something about the way he was looking at her, something about Jesus caused this woman to pause and say, Sir, check out the sir. Because before she didn't have no respect on his name. <laughs> Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep. I don't want to have to keep doing the same old, same old, same old that I've been doing. She realizes she is thirsty and she wants to try something new. Anybody in here want to try something new? You thirsty? <laughs> Life brings about so many pains. Some of those pains we bring upon ourselves, don't we? I think Pastor Antonio preached that last week. I'm sure that woman at the well, she, I mean, how many husbands did she have, y'all? <laughs> Sorry, because one wasn't, they were shacking up. <laughs> they were shacking up. I ain't trying to walk on nobody's street. If you shacking up, I don't, don't come to me later. <laughs> You know, this ain't about that. <laughs> Sometimes we cause our own problems, though, don't we? All of us are taught from a little kid, you know, don't have too many people in your life. You know, keep your body count, as the kids call it, low. <laughs> y'all don't know what body count is, huh? <laughs> Some of y'all do. <laughs> I'll tell y'all later. <laughs> So, so we're taught, though, to grow up, get married, do the right thing. How many of us have grown up and did the right thing? Most of us have it. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Marvin. We got one. <laughs> but sometimes we bring our own problems. We dating people we know we're not supposed to date. We shacking up with folks we know we're not supposed to be shacked up with. We, you know, we trying to be in relationships with people we know we're not supposed to be in relationships with, right? So those are the problems we can bring into our own lives. 
And I'm pretty sure with all those men in our lives, and I'm sorry, man, I know they cause her some problems. Sometimes our problems are caused by outsiders. People that we don't know. People that we do know. Anybody got a problem right now? Somebody else calls in your life? We all good at pointing the finger. We know who did what, right? Some of our problems are problems that no one caused, that we are born into. If you had the choice today to choose your parents, who would you choose? Barack Obama. Who? Daddy Warbucks. Anybody choose Bill Gates? <laughs> All of us would choose somebody rich, right? <laughs> if you could choose what neighborhood you was born into, what neighborhood would you choose? Brad, no, Bel Air, Hollywood, someplace rich and wealthy, Palm Springs. Anybody would choose Cleveland. Anybody would choose the worst place of Cleveland. And, and oh, Anna got a good testimony too, y'all. Anna's family, Anna and June, moved up here. And they family moved where? In Huff, right, Anna? In the Huff neighborhood. And it still, at that time, wasn't a good neighborhood, was it? It wasn't a good neighborhood then, either. <laughs> but they persevered. Anna and June got jobs. They, they worked hard. They became educated. And then they could choose where they wanted to live. But praise God, saints. We, most of us, though, we cannot choose the family that we have. I mean, think about your siblings. Would you choose them? <laughs> some of them. You like some of them, not all of them. <laughs> I want to come hear your story, brother. <laughs> we can't even choose our suffering. Most of us don't know that we're going to get cancer in our lifetime. We're going to have heart attack. We're going to have a stroke. Most of us don't know that we're going to be in a poor situation, that we may or may not have health insurance, that we might have to go to a raggedy hospital and get a raggedy doctor. <sighs> I mean, I'm just telling you. Cleveland Clinic ain't all that. I mean, it's nice, but depending on who you get. <laughs> University, too. Metro, too. Look at that. The hospital's got reputations too, y'all. <laughs> we cannot choose our circumstances. We cannot choose our suffering. We cannot choose our trials and tribulations. But we can choose, are we going to allow God to put some water in it, to add some sweetener, and to make some lemonade out of it? Jesus says, I am the water. He is the water. And we try to live our life without no water. There is nothing on this planet that can survive without water. Anything that doesn't have water is dead. We need water every single day. How many days can you live without water? Seven, maybe? Do you want to find out? <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesus is the water. What's the sweetener? What's the sweetener? The sweet, sweet, Holy Spirit. Jesus is the water. 
but you also need the Holy Spirit. That's why some folks come to church like, but I'm coming to church. I got Jesus. You know, I got my lemons. I got my water. What am I missing? Baptism by the Holy Spirit. That's what makes your lemonade. Tell your neighbor, I'm thirsty. I am so thirsty. So thirsty. Jesus took this woman's life, and she did not know on that day she was about to get some lemonade, y'all. She had been through so much suffering, so much despair, so much hardship, she could not imagine that life was about to get better. Tell your neighbor, life about to get better. Some of y'all going through a lot of problems today. Even our church is struggling, amen. We got a roof that's broken down. We got all kind of complications. We got people that are on hospice. We got people in prison. We got people that are really struggling financially. And sometimes people are like, it's time to go. I got to get going out of this situation. Some of y'all might even feel like leaving right now, right? Tell your neighbor you got to stay. Got to start shaking up that lemonade. <laughs> got to start spinning it around. Get that big Kool-Aid stirred. Start stirring it up. Because Jesus is making you some lemonade. Tell your neighbor, add the water. Add the sweet, sweet Holy Spirit. And get ready to drink. Y'all look at this. This sermon going to be a part two. Half my sermon ain't even preach. <laughs> this sermon going to be people who have made lemonade out of lemons with Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Gracious and holy God, we thank you that you look upon our lives and you make sure, Lord, you are exactly where we need you to be. You are there waiting for us, Lord, knowing, Lord Jesus, how much water we need. You know how thirsty we are, how dry we are, Lord Jesus, without you. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for being, bringing our water. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for, for being the sweetness that we need, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be who you created us to be. Help us, Lord Jesus, to allow you to make our lemons into lemonade. We thank you and we honor you. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen.